All of the airports across the country have been shut down. The building is currently being evacuated, and uh, the plume of smoke is, uh, is enormous. It's a couple of hundred yards across. Smoke and fire taking place in both towers of the World Trade Center. The plane was coming in. I, I noticed it a second before it hit the building. I've never seen anything like it. It literally blew itself into World Trade Center. Welcome to the special presentation of Breakthrough with A.J. Barrera. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about 9-11. This show is dedicated to those who have perished and those who have survived. 9-11 has been very dear to me. I have many experiences with clients who have passed over and those who are living here on the physical realm. Now, let's, let's go back here and talk about 9-11. It was on a clear, sunny, late summer day in September 2001, Al-Qaeda terrorists aboard three hijacked passenger planes and carried out a to coordinate a suicide attack against the World Trade Center in New York City and at the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., killing everyone on board the plane, nearly 3,000 people on the ground. A fourth plane crashed into the Pennsylvania field, killing all aboard after passengers and crews attempt to wrestle control of the hijackers. The flights that were included were American Airlines Flight 11 had 92 people on board. United Airlines Flight 175 had 65 people on board. American Airlines Flight 77 had 64 people on board. United Airlines Flight 93 had 44 people on board. There were many tragedies and many people that went through their ups and downs to this very moment and grief, emotional, um, such such a crazy event that happened here. And, and I really, really, really want to talk about this subject and really hope that this subject and this show kind of helps people out. Hello there, everybody. This is Jennifer. Um, you know, I have a, a few different experiences myself, and I think that's what we're going to share tonight is the really the, the perspectives of, of everyone across the nation on that day, on Tuesday, September 11th, um, which also represents 911, ironically. Um, but today we, we're really, really excited to have the guests that we do to explain their um their vision and, and their experiences and also as well aj and myself and and what we were really doing that day and how it ultimately affected all of us across the world absolutely on the day that 9 11 happened i want to backtrack here because i was actually supposed to take out to queens to my friend's place out there he invited me down said hey why don't you come down i booked my flight booked everything had everything all all confirmed and you know something in my gut something in my intuition said you know what don't go don't go don't go and I think it was about three days before 9-11 happened. Um, I ended up canceling my trip and saying, you know, I'm not going to go. I don't think I was going to be on any of these flights that took place here. But what happened here is that there was part of my intuition saying, like, this is not the right thing to do. So it's not saying that I predicted it. It's not saying that I knew this was going to happen at all. There was something about intuition that I knew either one, my life was in danger or something bad was going to happen either on the way there during the flight or on ground in New York. So um, part of our intuition is really listening to what's going on in our soul and our mind and our body and really understanding that deep-rooted connection. So I think when we have personal connections like that, sometimes we um, take it a little bit closer to us as well. My wife and my in-laws, we end up going to New York City and Manhattan and so on and so forth and going to the memorial and enjoying 
this um this intimate area of, of emotional and energy and when i say enjoying i mean the energy there was so overwhelming i could not believe it um i started crying i, I felt the energy and when we saw the memorials of the, of the water fountains and and so on and so forth and the tree of life i mean it's, it's so amazing um how deep rooted that this is connected to everyone not that just those who are in new york and for me my experience you know just kind of taking it all in uh, the vast, vast uh, depth of those waterfalls. And I happened to look over, and I think one of the images that we have, AJ, you know, everyone's face that you guys were standing there, my mother, you know, my father, and yourself, in the background of this image, just kind of had this almost perplexed, kind of like thoughtful expression on, on your faces. And I actually felt an overwhelming sense of serenity when I was there. At the grounds, yes, very, very overwhelming as far as just the, the mass destruction that occurred that day and what everyone was thinking and going through. But, but really, I just felt really serene, and maybe that was ultimately the point of creating those waterfalls in, the, in you know the first place. But when we were there in 2013, wow, the energy of New York—I can only imagine what it feels like to live there. Don't you think, AJ? A- absolutely, I'm sure it's overwhelming. And sometimes looking at these. Um, new buildings, new towers, or maybe just the memorial that, that is there now, it brings back a lot of memories and people that I still carry. And think of all the people that did perish in that situation and those that survived and were lucky enough to get out of the situation. It, it's very, very emotional for me. And I'm very honored um, doing the show. The reason why is that I was very, very fortunate to get two people on the phone line here that have agreed to be um, on the show and share the story. One is um, who lived within New York, or Long Island, I believe. Yeah, correct. Yeah, she was. Um, she basically works in the upper Manhattan region. And that is going to be Pat Calandra. So she's going to give us a course of the events in the day from her perspective and what that meant to her and how it impacted her in the hours that were, you know, that everybody was experiencing a mass state of confusion. Absolutely. And our second guest, and I'm very fortunate as well, his name is David Rika who was actually an individual that was in uh, the second tower, the South Tower, um, on floor, on 70, 73rd 73rd floor, floor, correct. 73rd floor, and he survived that when the planes hit. And he will tell you his um, emotional story and uh, his situation of what happened in those very moments. So um, we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Breakthrough with A.J. Barrera. A second plane colliding with the second tower at the World Trade Center. People here are very, very frightened. People are crying. People are shaking. We were in a building in which we were trapped. As I watched what the police officers and the firefighters were doing, I think they're going to save the maximum number of lives you could possibly save in a situation like this. Welcome back. We have Pat Calandra on the phone lines here. She is from Long Island and was working in the Upper East area of New York, of Manhattan, when the towers came crashing down, and that it would be near Central Park. So she's going to give us a, a timeline, rather, of, of really what, what happened in her day of events as we all learned what had happened that day. Hello, Pat. Thank you for being on the show. Hey, AJ. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a, such a pleasure. Thank you for taking your time out of your schedule and making this happen. We truly appreciate this, and I know our listeners are definitely going to um, definitely connect to this. So can you explain to us about your timeline, exactly what happened on the day of 9-11? Well, I 
work for a retail uh, company, and uh, normally we open up our store at 9 a.m. So it was a normal day. Um, we opened our store up, and I would say probably within 15, 20 minutes after that, um, somewhere uh, after the first uh, towel was hit, my son had called the store to inform me that the, um, a plane had hit the um, World Trade Center. And he was concerned because he wasn't sure exactly where I was located in Manhattan. And I, you know, told him, I said, oh, that's way downtown, you know, I'm not anywhere near that. And I thought, well, it's just, you know, pilot error. You know, the, either the pilot fell asleep or something happened that, you know, they hit the towers. Um, the store remained open for a while and customers were beginning to come in and talk about what happened. And then they informed us that a second plane had hit the second tower. Wow. What what was your state of mind when you heard the news that this became a now this is a world event. This is history. This is like a terrorist attack. Did you I and I'm, please forgive me. Did you say that you knew it was a terrorist attack at this moment? No, I didn't. Um we just we really weren't aware of anything going on cuz we didn't have any radios or any televisions in the store. So um, we happened to work next door to a PC Richards and they were nice enough to lend us a television and we started to watch the news, um, but my real concern became when they announced that they hit the Pentagon. Then I knew we were under a terrorist attack, and that's when I started to get upset and a little panic. Wow, I'm just Um, getting chills right now. Yeah, I I tried to reach out, you know, a million things go through your head, you know, I knew my son was okay because he was home, he was nowhere near it, but I did have friends that worked for New York City Fire Department and that were New York City police officers, and my mind immediately went to them, where are they? Are they working today? Um, oh, wow. Today, wow. Time. Wow. So um, I was able to reach out to my one friend um, whose husband was a, a New York City fireman, and he happened to be working out of Brooklyn. Oh, my So gosh. he wasn't uh, close by, but he wasn't working that day. He was home. Wow, what are the odds of that? What are the odds of that? I mean, yeah. Yeah, we were, it was very lucky, very, very lucky. Um, and then my sister called and got through to me, um, and she said to me she had been trying to call, call, and couldn't get through, of course, all the lines. Everybody was trying to get to their loved ones. And um, she said to me she got connected to someone. She doesn't know how, but she got connected on the phone to somebody that was sitting on the Brooklyn Bridge and could see it happen. Wow. Wow. She never got the person's name. She never knew who it was. She talked to him for a few minutes, and then the call uh, ended. Well, you know, to, to, to me, it sounds like definitely like a living angel, like a guardian angel that definitely was there at that very moment to help her out. My heart is racing. Yeah, her her uh, curiosity and her, um, her fear because she hadn't been able to get in touch with me. Um, and we were then informed, you know, that we closed the store by 11 o'clock, so we were open less than two hours. And the, um, the company had suggested that we not let any of our employees go home unless we knew that there was somebody home for them or that they had a, a way of getting home because it was amazing to see how fast New York City could shut down. Wow. wow. It was like being in a movie. I'm almost speechless, Pat. Um, you know, a, a number of things crossed my mind. Uh, one thing I want to talk about really is kind of the view from the Brooklyn 
Bridge, which, you know, even when you stand on the Brooklyn Bridge now, you could see, what is it, the Freedom Tower, is that correct? The one that's red, white, and blue? Yes. I, I have knots in my stomach and, and a lump in my throat right now just hearing this story. I almost, I mean, for the first time in my life, I'm literally speechless, and so I have to kind of push myself along and move on along with the story because it's so overwhelmingly emotional. But what a beautiful sight now looking you know, within that view now, but I can only imagine the the thoughts that could have been crossing your guys' mind with everyone's mind in that state of confusion and and hysteria, I'm sure. And, you know, what a gorgeous view anyway, but that is not something that you would see on an everyday basis, that's for sure. No, no, not for, that's for sure, absolutely. Um, you know, you, you go about your life on a daily basis and you never expect that to happen you know we feel um, so protected especially in this country right you know we feel so protected i mean i think it's it's so natural that we feel protected that in other areas you know there's warfare and here where we feel safe you know ideally and what a direct attack that was completely unforeseen now of course there's a lot of conspiracy that we knew about that and and whether or not that's important to the stories is really kind of beyond us maybe we'll never know but um you know, I can I can also almost see the streets now in my my mind. Everyone's trying to get back home and get, you know, under safe uh, surveillance. I don't even know. I mean, my mind even right now feels a little scattered and trying to figure out what I would do. Uh, do would you say that people in the city generally walk on foot? Do they drive to work? I mean, can you? Most of the people in the city use public transportation. Um, Okay. You know, it's the subways, it's the buses, things of that. And to have all of that come to a halt, um, when we were finally able to leave the store at approximately 2 o'clock, I walked from 86th Street and 2nd Avenue to Penn Station, which is a long walk. It took me probably almost two hours. Oh, my gosh. Is that like 10 miles or... More? It, uh, I have no idea. Uh, I, you know, were you afraid? It's a distance. It were you really f- is a distance. Were you fearful? Um, and when I was walking, as I was walking downtown, people from the tower area were walking uptown. Oh my god! They were in foot. They looked dazed. You could just see them covered in all of this powder um, from the towers. You know, and. Um, we had passed uh, the uh, New York Presbyterian Hospital, and people were gathered outside trying to find out about their loved ones, uh, trying to find out if they can donate blood for those that were in need. It was just utter chaos. Well, it, it's no so, buses it, on the streets, nothing. Well, it's it's so amazing because it's almost like the unity happened at that at that moment when the planes hit the towers. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it, it, it's to see people just kind of come together and. No ego, no judgment, no no race card, none of that stuff. It's just like we are one and we are here to kind of fix everything and kind of like save everyone in some sense. And I think that's what was the beautiful part of of our community or, or New York's community is that they, they were really, really in it to change lives and help people out. And and Pat, you now, know, as it, it really was. And, and it, it was amazing how people pulled together. You know, it, it's a shame that it takes something that powerful to make people realize Ain't that, that we all are one, no matter what our race, color, creed, you know, anything in this world means nothing when you're in a crisis like that. You just need to pull together, gather together, 
to support one another and get through it. Absolutely. And isn't that what e pluribus unum means, actually? Isn't it of many, one? So basically what you're saying really resonates with me of what um, the founding, you know, ideals of this country really are set on. And I know it's been a number of years now, and as the years pass, it's going to become a more distant memory, but of course not one that we will ever forget. Do you remember what you were seeing when you were walking that two hours to Penn Station since you had no means of, of transportation otherwise? Do you do you remember what you saw? Do you, do you remember? I remember seeing people coming up full of dust and, and seeing dazed and confused. And there were, um, when I got to um, the Empire State Building, there were already cement barricades around the building. There were um, military men with police dogs, bomb sniffing dogs, walking the, the exterior of it. Um, like I said, it was like it was almost as if you were in a movie. You can't believe that the, this is happening where you, you live. You know, and it's you know? it's it's so you know hair rising for me. I mean, I'm just getting goosebumps throughout my whole body when you explain this. And you know, it has been 14 years today, 9/11, that this has happened. It went by so quickly, but you know, it not a day gone by that none of us has forgotten. Pat, Pat, are you saying, Pat, are you saying that it wasn't until you saw the people that were walking up from downtown to you that basically it was a ghost town for that for that long t- two mile stretch of a walk? I'm telling you, one bus stopped to see if I, I you know, I there was no room on the bus, but whoa, they, there was no. I'm telling you, you've been to New York City, you see what New York City is like on television. To have it completely stopped was amazing so it's i mean obviously never known in history of time that it's ever been like that i mean it's such a big city as it is and it's always buzzing you know the lights and the nightlife and it's like really the city that never sleeps you know we think we think vegas never sleeps but new york you can get pizza at five o'clock in the morning which is absolutely amazing for someone like me who's always hungry (laughs) 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 i can only imagine what what it was like the weeks to follow were businesses open um, some of the businesses closed for a day or two. Um, people were holding candlelight vigils outside on the streets. Um, you know, at the time, you know, the hour that the, the, uh, the uh, plane crashed, um, there were people just holding moments of silence for friends and people that they knew that they had lost. Um, it was amazing. The sad part is, I used to take Long Island Railroad into work, um, and I would go to the train station, you know, the usual times, and you, you were all creatures of habit. So you knew exactly where you stood and the people around you every morning, and then those people were gone. There were faces that you used to see every morning that weren't there anymore. And you would see cars in the parking lot for weeks on end. And you had to think, oh my gosh, are these people that were lost in the towers? I have to ask you too, Pat. I mean, you know, you didn't, it wasn't until you noticed that they weren't there, that they were gone, right? Or, or these people that you would always say good morning to and and chat on your way to work. I mean, can you give us kind of a, um, uh, idea? No, usually usually the commuter trades, everybody gets on and goes to sleep. Right. It was just, um, seeing the faces, you get to know who was there, you know, every morning. And because, like I said, we're creatures of habit, so we all would walk to a certain part of the train and get on that part of the train. 
Um, so you would, you know, get to see people on the platform and kind of recognize faces. You know, you, know, you don't really talk to them too often. You may um, become uh, acquaintances with one or two of them, but right. but you do notice when they're not there. Wow. You notice wow. that, and, and you start, you know, we did, I personally started to notice, hey, you know, the guy that, you know, usually sits in this seat is not here today. Wow. So it, it really does make you think, um differently you know uh, how much you know, we take th- for granted too th- thank you for for you going there because that's the next question i was going to ask you you know how has your life changed after this event like has you know anything changed me your lifestyle maybe the way you think maybe the way you treat well, people yeah i think i become more aware of my surroundings especially hmm. when i'm in uh, public transportation or in, in public areas not that i'm suspicious but i do kind of look around a little bit more. Wow, um, I thought so you were actually going to segue. I don't take things for granted anymore. Um, one of the things that, that, you know, unfortunately is a hard lesson to learn f- from a loss like this or any loss is that, uh, you know, life is short and we need to live life to the fullest because tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us in any situation. Wow. So I, I kind of look at, you know, I kind of look at life differently and I, I kind of try to enjoy it as much as I can. Um, I don't, you know, I, I personally have, have had lost, not in this situation, but family members, and it, it just made me realize that, you know, I can't wait until, uh, oh, until I, you know, pay off this bill or I do this, you know, can I wait to enjoy some of life? I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. I, uh, I'm here for whatever amount of time the good Lord decides for me to be. And I'm going to enjoy as much of it as I can and spend as much time with my family and my friends. So it does it, it does make you think differently about life when something happens like this. Would you say that it gave you a sense of an awakening of some sort? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, an awakening or a wake-up call. <laughs> <laughs> right, both, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, more like it. Oh well, and you were directly in the aftermath of that. You answered the phone as well as everybody else. I, I can't even imagine how it would ever be the same. Yeah, no, you can't be. You can't be. Um, when, when something like that happens, and like I said, you know, I was very fortunate that I really didn't have any close friends that I've lost in that situation in the towers. But I do know that a, a lot of people suffered because of it. I know I have friends now that, you know, one friend, her husband is... Uh, He's a retired police officer, but he was down there in the midst of it, and, and he suffers because of it now. You know, um, that, it, it's, so. it's it's sad because, you know, it's so many people, I, I think majority of them, I, and I don't I don't know the percentile, but I, w- I would at least say 90 or 95% of the people that were, you know, cleaning up the wreckage or in the building or, or the cops, law enforcement, you know, paramedics, all, all that good stuff, all, all our community, um, everyone, most of those people all have cancer. If it's lung, thyroid, prostate, um, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. they all have this cancerous disease from whatever is made with the material, the building. Like, I have no idea, but I think just recently, do you know that um, that famous picture, or, or I guess, I don't know if it's a famous, I, it is a famous picture. It's with the, an African-American woman. Um, she's all covered in, in the dust and everything, and she's just kind of standing there in shock. Um, mm-hmm. She passed away, I think, last week or, or two weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, but, um, and she passed away from cancer as well. You know what I mean? So, 
Um, it, it's very sad to, to see the situation happen to those who even survived the attack, if you will, but they didn't survive it in some sense because it still got to them. You know what I mean? So right. it, it, it's very I'm sad. Sure there's probably a lot, of more, a lot more people that are suffering from, you know, the cancer aftermath. or different diseases that are not even associating it with that. You know, there's people that lived in that right. area in those apartments that were down there that probably had gotten that dust into their homes. You know, and they may be getting ill and not even being aware that, oh, that's from, you know, 9-11. They're not putting those two together, and it could possibly be happening, and we don't even know it. Yeah, I, you know, I have an article here that basically it says that people didn't realize how dangerous the air was. The coughing got much worse, and, um, you know, a lot of people were having a tough time with it and eventually found out that many people had throat cancer. So I think, you know, the aftermath of this, not only the effect in the days and, and everything that followed, uh, but they definitely left an impact, but they didn't take us down. And so I just want to touch base on that because we have to wrap up here that you had mentioned something about our freedom and how lucky we are to to be in this, you know, United States of America and, and you know, really is the, the you know, America of the brave and the land of the free. And I, right. I really appreciate it. People don't realize how free we really are. You know, uh, you know, we complain about, you know, politics and we complain about, you know, all these things that go on in this country. But to be able to complain about it is a freedom that most people don't have. We're very, very lucky to live where we do. Yeah, fortunate. Proud to be an American. I'm proud to have and live in a country that gives me the right to voice my p- opinion. Amen. Amen. There Absolutely. Are people, yeah, there are people that, that don't have that right or, or that ability to do so. Wow. So, you know, as, as much as we get angry and we think, uh, you know, the corruption that goes on, corruption goes on everywhere. But, you know, that to think that we have the right to vote the right to speak our minds, the right to walk free is a lot. I mean, you yeah. know, if you think back to Civil War times and, and slavery, those poor people had no choices. So would you now, say and that... here we are today, you know, 300 years later or, or more, that have a right to speak, have a right to vote. I really, really, really appreciate you pointing that out because... The tragedy is is so much more impactful. We get caught up in the emotion of it. And I think you make a valid point. So what I hear you saying is that if anything, the takeaway for you is that you learned how truly free we are here in this country. And I and I really appreciate you pointing that out. I'm grateful for that. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Pat, Pat, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your story and, and taking time out of your schedule to make this happen. And, and the, you know, the, there, there probably are going to be people who you know, are a younger generation that never experienced 9-11 or never, you know, I'm sure they heard of it or maybe it's going to be the, the in the history books, right? One day. It's... Absolutely. It's definitely part of history. And, and I think you're, you're going to be healing some souls and giving some insight to people or, you know, letting people know what it was like that day as reminding uh, us a fellow New Yorker. Absolutely. Reminding us. Yes. And that you just think about it, you know, 14 years, that's a generation of teenagers that are, you know, that were born uh, around that time that, were unaware of what was going on. Absolutely. Wow. You know, that's something that they, you know, that's history that we need to preserve for them because um, they need to learn from it as well. Absolutely. And, and this show is, you know, dedicated to those who have perished, the survivors, the fellow New Yorkers, all, all those who were involved here, our law enforcement, our firefighters, everyone, everyone that was involved there. 
Um, Absolutely. What and, a great spirit yeah, you guys and, have. And, and, and I want to kind of, you know, get gear in a different direction before we go. You know, they, they have a dedication wall, you know, of a memorial there in, in New York where the Twin Towers used to stand. And now it's a, you know, the water memorial. I guess, was it like a fountain memorial or water? I don't even know what's the right terminology yeah. to call it. And they have all the different names and everything. Is there anything special or something that, you know, you want to do maybe for your fellow New Yorkers? If you could do me uh, a favor, AJ, could you play uh, To Where You Are by Josh Groban? Absolutely. That would be um, really heartfelt to all of us. Wow. To families, mm-hmm. to the friends, and to all Americans to think back on that day. Well, you're making me emotional. <laughs> We're both crying here. So. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, Absolutely, Pat, and thank you so much for being part of the show, and we will talk to you very soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, AJ, and hope to talk to you soon. Good night, Pat. Good night, Pat. Good night. Up next is David Rika, 9-11 survivor. We'll be back right after this. Who can say for certain, maybe you're still here, I feel you all around. Your memory so clear Deep in the stillness I can hear you speak You're still an inspiration Can it be That you are mine Forever love And you are watching from up above Fly me up to where you are Beyond the distant star I wish upon tonight To see you smile If only for a while To know you're there
All right, we are going back to the phone lines with the survivor of the 9-11, and I would just like to share with you guys and also with David um, uh, basically the mindset of what I was going through. Uh, I happened to find this today in a binder, my journalism binder, and so I just wanted to share, we must have had to do like some you know, write-up or a feature, feature story of what we were doing the, the morning, Tuesday, September 11th and I would like to share that with you so here it goes I was lying in bed safe and sound enjoying the few minutes I had left to sleep in my small suburban home in La Mirada California my father burst in the door saying Jennifer come look at this I thought oh what now I slowly rolled out of bed as usual rubbed my eyes so I could see straight and hurriedly walked to the television I couldn't believe my eyes questioning myself if I was still dreaming I proclaimed, that was an airplane that just smashed into that building. My father replied, that building is an asset to the United States of America. It's the World Trade Center. Dumbfounded by his response, I thought to myself, what is the World Trade Center? Not knowing how important it was, I was astonished at what I had seen. Maybe if I knew what it signified, I would have been affected differently in that moment. Since I don't have any friends or family in New York, my first instinct was to call my fiancé in the U.S. military to make sure he wasn't going to be the first to stand on the battlefield. I sat in front of the television for a while, watching the tragedy unfold. Minute after minute, the missing tally of victims arose. I couldn't even fathom the sight of fear in their eyes or the pain in their hearts of the families and friends who mourn their loss. As the tears streamed down my face, I listened to a phone call that was made from a passenger on one of the planes to his wife. I love you were the last words she heard. Befuddled, I asked myself, could hate and envy really lead to terrorism? Or is this an attempt to humiliate and devastate our country? Surprisingly enough, we as a nation united like never before. As the night progressed, you could find candlelight on every corner, handcrafted posters of the American flag, and groups of people chanting, USA, USA. And as I was driving and observing, all of the patriotism, it was so inspiring that I couldn't help but honk my horn with everyone else who was moved, such as I was. For days on end, we came together with love and pride, gleaming with the significance of red, white, and blue. I never knew until that day how much my freedom and my country meant to me. Although the event of September 11th was demoralizing, it was the day that I became an American. So with that, I want to just say that, you know, there, there's a quote here. And it, it basically says that um, nothing but courage can guide life. And we are in the phone lines here with David Rika, and he is going to share with us what that day was like from his eyes and not from across the country in California. So, David, can you share your story? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, Jennifer's person was that beautiful, and um, I can sense the, the great feeling and emotions you have reading this. Uh, you know, that happened that you wrote 14 years ago. So I appreciate you sharing that with uh, myself oh, and thank everybody you. from your show and AJ. Um, yeah, my day was, you know, it was, uh, let's just say it was a regular day. I was in the financial world. I was in uh, the financial district world. I was a financial advisor, financial planner, investment banker, whatever you want to call us. I worked for Morgan Stanley. Um, big investment firm and I worked on the 73rd floor and I was more of I just started into the business I got out of college I was playing I played soccer professionally so I just was just getting my feet wet into the whole financial sector so 
I was really, really excited in that time in my life. Wow, I'm working in this, you know, the, 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 the financial... How exciting. Mega, mega of the world, pretty much, you want to call it. Um, at, 20, right. at 24 years old, is that is that, is that that hard to do? I mean, is that like a, a feat in itself to be, the, you know, 24, young, and, and in that kind of position? Yeah, it was almost, uh, yeah, almost impossible to get into that. Wow. Into wow. That office, that building, that... Yeah, that Warner Stanley um, department. It was, um, you know, I had seven interviews to get in there. So two and years. And at that point, how long had you been working there? I would say two years. Right? Oh, okay, two years in. Oh, wow, wow, wow that's two pretty solid. In, and and still fighting strong to to keep it because obviously the competition's very fierce. And um, but I was doing it. I was doing it. I was happy. I was there at 7 o'clock every single morning, first one in, first one out. Wow. And there was, you know, 20 other guys doing the same thing I was, but we were all doing it as a team, you know. Were they long days? I mean, how many hours would you have to put in a typical day? Um, I would imagine we would put in good 15, 16-hour days. Whoa. So, so there's almost like a commodity. Right there by 10, 11 o'clock at night. Really? 11 o'clock at night. So, I mean, you, you almost kind of built a family or a commodity with these these other individuals. I mean, that's yeah. your most of your life being spent. Yeah, we were cubicles at the time. We, you know, we, we didn't make it to, to get in our office at the time. So we were like, we had a little cubicle area where we all worked hard to, um, you know, to, to fulfill our our clients. And just to give you an example, in that office itself, the other people that were in my position but higher, um, obviously been there longer. You know, their clients were like Britney Spears and all the big. Big celebrities, everybody's. Oh wow! Was in that office, so that was the uh, pressure that I pressure and the intent of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking? Just I mean, do, do stay you, there, stay there, pretty much. You know? Right. Yeah. Do you do you so. think that that made you work harder? Do you think that like made you kind of have a sense of working much harder because of how hard was to get in there? I mean, what a blessing! What it? What I mean. Wow, you you have an impressive resume, I can imagine, and in what a length of time to put in already. Uh, sounds like you were pretty committed to the job just because you were fascinated and the, the caliber of people that you were working with. Yeah, and I was just fascinated by those people I was working with, so I learned a lot from them, and I wanted to be like them. So I um, I said, all right, I'm at the top, so i got to make it. So it's up to me. I played soccer my whole life. I... My dad played professional, my uncles played professional, my brother played professional. So I've been playing since I was five years old. So And I played professional, and then I got hurt. So I went to Wall Street by mistake. So Wall Street, that's um, so funny. I was going to segue to that. Had to, in me to make it, you know, so... Um, David, when we visited, um, we, we there's on Wall Street, the area, when, when we were in New York, there's like a bronze... Uh, figurine or, or structure rather right with a man like on the bench do you know I, I don't know what it's called I'm sure it's like yeah that is uh, one of the old one of the old uh, investment bankers that started the whole New York Stock Exchange um, in 1792 don't quote me on this but I could be wrong but it's in the 1700s so when the stock market started so I, they, uh, they put a statue of him there by the New York Stock Exchange which is right off of Wall Street and Broad Yes, because I remember that vividly. And it's funny, I kind of poked fun at it saying like, you know, I can imagine how much work and time and energy is put into Wall Street. And I just kind of looked at the structure or the statue rather and thought to myself, this guy's going to be here a long time. Like as if, you know, he'd invested so much time that he's just a bronze (laughs) figurine. I wish I still had the money that I spent on Simpsons. (laughs) (laughs) That's like... Yeah, it was, uh, you know, you had to... 
he had to play the part and everything, but it was great. Um, so yeah. I loved it. And, um, that's one of my favorite things, you know, when you're in a profession that you get to dress up and wear the suits. I mean, that really just kind of when you have a fresh, nice, perfect fitting suit on, it just makes you feel a certain way. And then to know that you're working with Wall Street, I mean, no one even needs to know what Wall Street is and they know what Wall Street is, right? So, wow. I mean, the the caliber of your level is, is already impressive yeah. without needing to know anything. But um, right. your, your soccer, um, your soccer that led you pretty much throughout your life, um, has that kind of given you a sense of like team and and does that apply to what you were experiencing on Wall Street and also with um, your financial position? And obviously speaking four languages helped you. But the, um, wow. Whoa. I, I speak Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, and obviously English. Oh wow. my gosh. The soccer thing, I that gave me the competitive edge. I'll tell you, there was other people there. I mean, you only if you're there, you were you were competing against each other so that gave me the competitive edge that I needed to stay there and I stayed there for seven years even after you know when I tell you what happened that day you know we moved to other offices and I stayed there seven years later even with the PTSD and everything wow it was all because of my competitive edge of not giving up teamwork uh, soccer mentality that, that I had my whole life you know I learned as a, as a young child young kid at four or five years old when they put the ball on my feet um you know, playing not to give up. You know, if I get hurt, get up, keep going, keep going. So, wow. Uh, it helped me a lot. So I mean, the sportsmanship, and, yeah. yeah. And that day was just like any other day. I would get there early. Um, I would get, we, I worked in the 73rd floor. The 44th floor was the, um, was the lunchroom, breakfast room, was the cafeteria, which is a beautiful cafeteria. But sometimes they would have music there, they would have bands there. Real wow. chefs, you know, the top, top. Sh- top okay, top like the top. marble. I would get there at 7 o'clock, whatever, and the same person, God rest his soul, um, that didn't make it out, but I used to make my egg whites. So, uh, I used to have four egg whites, two slices of tomato, on two whole wheats. And he used to make it. His name is Marvin. Greatest guy. Every every time I met, I seen him in the morning. Big white teeth. He would smile. Say, hey, babe, same? <laughs> I said, yeah, give me the same. Wow. Uh, yeah, so... Um, so you didn't go for the, the, the bagel then that normally people do, right? <laughs> no, I was kind of... I was trying to diet you know what I mean? Trying to look trying to look in shape as I used to back when I was soccer day. So <laughs> I was trying my best at the whole week. But I'll tell you, some days I would just get a bacon egg and cheese and be like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it was the physique, right? But You're keeping I up the physique. To the, uh, you know, before I went to um, uh, two tomatoes that I had, the um, person Marvin on the 44th floor made me. Marvin is his name, right? Um, get the thing and then bring it up to my office. I would eat right in my cubicle. Um, he would bring it to normal yeah. day. Um, you know, just a normal, normal day. And then um, until we saw, until those other guys in there, until the, the lights flickered on and off uh, really quickly. Like, you know, when you're coming into a room, you said you can flicker your lights on and off. There was something to that level. And I looked at a person to my right. I don't remember his name, but I looked to my right, and um, we all looked at each other for about a second or two, and we just thought it was just an air conditioning problem or whatever. So we just kept on looking at uh, research or whatever we were doing to get right. ready for that day, and I was actually eating my egg whites while <laughs> looking, at the, looking at the screen. Just a regular day, just carrying on. So you didn't sense anything, nothing felt weird about the day, nothing, you know, it just carrying on like normal business and... and in that moment, okay. Nothing at all. I mean, zero. It was, that's the whole 
thing that gets me to this day, and it's just like, you know, wow, you know, nothing, you know, it's like, wow, okay. and it, it gets me every day, pretty much, I wake up, okay, you know. Is it like your first thought? Okay, is this the day, is something going to happen today, that's the whole PTSD that still gets me, you know. Huh. So, to think that is crazy, but that, that's, that's my life now, um, fortunately and unfortunately, so, but that's okay, I learned to live with it, you know. Would, would you now. say... Not like I'm living all day like that, but I do wake up and think about it. Okay, who's the day that something's going to happen? You know, it's a crazy fear to have, but it's, uh, it's just what I've been to, so. Would you would you say that's because you felt safe? I mean, just knowing that, you know, the building that you're in and, and knowing, you know, being a U.S. citizen and everything, you just I felt... I never even encountered it in my life. Like, I wasn't really into the whole politics thing, or I wasn't really into any, any of that stuff that we would ever get bombed and... Yeah, I know what happened in 1991 and all that stuff, but I didn't really look into that. So I didn't really know anything about any of that stuff. My, my whole goal was, you know, family, and a job, and and having some fun with friends, living living New York Living City the life, life. So yeah. It, it was never thought, ever, ever in a million years that terrorists, terrorists, I don't think I ever had a conversation at that age, at that time, with friends or anything about terrorism right. or politics or political things. Never, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't into that until I, how I am now. I'm not even into that like I am now, but now I actually listen to what's going on and stuff like that. So, With your family, if I, I may interject, you have brothers and fa- like, you know, just your entire family or was it your immediate family? Um, you know, just kind of living your life. Did you have children at that time? No, I still have children. Um, I'm a wonderful girlfriend. Um, now I'm not married. I was never, I wasn't married at the time. I was never married. Um, I don't have children, um, but I, at that time, but still, obviously, I have um, I had my mother, my stepdad, my dad, my brother, my two nephews, and my sister-in-law, who were all very close, and my family from all over the world, from Argentina and Italy and stuff like that. But my immediate family is my stepdad, my mom, my two nephews, brother and sister-in-law. So I only have one brother. Um, so that's my number one family right there. Got it. So when you when you had the moment, what was the moment that that made you guys realize something was different or that called to action in that moment that you were eating your egg whites? Good question. Um, well, the next moment, I would say after the lights flickered on and off, which I would say a minute or two minutes later, because I was still eating my egg whites, and I can reflect back to the egg whites because of the time limit, because I eat them pretty quick, I eat pretty fast. So it happened really quickly. Somebody who had an office facing the uh, Tower One came out screaming, everybody get the F out, get the F out. And I saw his face of scaredness, of worriness, fear that I'd never seen in my entire life. So immediately, I got up from my cubicle and was freaking out and ran. I was going to run towards the elevator, but people said, don't take the elevator. So we all walked towards, ran, walked, etc. Um, towards the staircase. So we all got into the staircase, uh, whoever got in there from my office, and then we got to that point, and then I would say we got down three or four stairs, staircases, you know, three or four flights, and everybody's saying it's an accident. It's an accident, it's an accident. So we all calmed down a little bit, and we just started coming down the stairs, and we're talking, and we're talking about what's going to happen for the day, and we're like, wow, it's going to be an accident. Because we used to see a lot of little planes fly through the World Trade Center 
like a tourist thing, you know. We got, it, was, it was normal to us, so we just thought one came the other one. So we just um, went with it and said, okay. And we've been through many drills and walking down those 73 flights. So how many people? used to the fact, okay, somebody said it was an accident. It's fine. So, um, but there's people coming out of each floor. So you're talking thousands of people coming out of each floor. That is 73, crazy. 72, 71. So, um... How wide were these staircase? Uh, how how wide was it? Like, if how many people could walk down the stair? Two at a time. Two at a time. So it's not very. It's kind of narrow. I was on the left, and there was a person on the right. To me, uh, there was my friend, and I lost him when the rumble happened. But there was a woman to my left, a woman to my right. I'm sorry, um, and she she pretty much walked down with me the whole time. So it was like to, to answer your question. It was two at a time. Okay. Two step at a time, yeah. So it wasn't really wide where it was five people on one step. Right. So, um, and I, well, could, I could imagine you have to take that slowly too, but go ahead, AJ. Well, you know what I was saying, which is so, I, 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 can't, I can't even wrap my mind around it. You know, the, the fact that this even happened, more importantly, is that the fact that you were in that building, you were on, you know, what, you know, floor 73, 73rd floor, and at, at 9.03, the hijackers crashed the airplane flight 175 into floor 75 through, I think, 85, is, which is a South Tower. I don't know if you were in the South Tower. Yeah, or, he was in the South Tower. Right? Okay. I was in the South Tower, yeah. Yeah. And so, that was the first one to collapse, too, right? Correct. Mine was the second one to get hit and the first one to fall. That's interesting. So, yeah. And, and, and um, AJ, just to, to, to add to you. Uh, the, the, the plane hitting Timeline, yeah. the South Tower. Um, all I remember is, you know, going downstairs, we're, we're, we're just chatting away and whatever, we're going through it. And all I, in each each staircase, you see numbers, 73, 72, 71, right? right? So all I remember is number three. So it had to be either 31st, it had to be either, either from the 30th staircase to the 39th staircase. I don't remember what it was. All I remember is the big number three, so I was in the 30th, 30, 30th staircase somewhere in the 30s. Um, and that's wow. when the second plane hit. My oh, building. wow. Wow. I mean, what, what was, I mean, I'm just getting Ooh. chills. I mean, what, what was going through your mind? I mean, like everyone, I mean, I'm sure there was panic, emotion, shocked. I mean, like, I mean, were, were, were there like certain sounds um, that, that you heard from the building? I mean, I, I, I just don't know where to go with this. I mean, because this is, truly something that has been dear to me and you know i've had colleagues that i work with that have lost family and friends in it and it, it's such amazing transition to go to go into you're living your everyday life you know having breakfast and your egg whites you know doing your routine thing and all of a sudden out of the blue this happens and you're like what what the f what's like, what going, that, on, what's going yeah. on and for, for you what what was going on in that very moment i guess emotionally if, if i can say that in the right terminology yeah, it was the worst feeling that I would never um, want anybody to feel. Right. Um, when I felt that plane hit the building, which I didn't know it was a plane, so right. that's even worse about it. It was just, it just we all fell to the ground when it hit, so that's how hard the impact uh, was. So, oh my like you said, it hit in the 70s, or somewhere around that. It was almost yeah. 40, 40 flights down, which is a right. nice number, but we got hit so hard, we all fell to the ground. The lights went off. The sprinklers went off. So all this is going on in less than three seconds of me walking down the stairs, talking about 
uh, the bagel or stock market, whatever it was I was talking to the people, we all talk, it all changed in a matter of tenths of a second. So wow. you guys were just evacuating in, in a very calm fashion, uh, not really any sense of uh, of anything other than maybe confusion. And so when you were caught off guard and you felt the yeah. Im- and the impact of what you weren't sure what that was at the time, I mean, I have a number of questions, but I mean, when you're saying that the lights went off, is it now pitch black at this moment? Yeah, it's pretty much pitch black. The... the, the um, and the sprinklers are off, so we're getting kind of wet a little oh, bit. Oh, wow. Powerful. And that's my PTSD, is that hit. Is that hit is right there. Is that, that first hit of the unknown and the building, literally I'm looking at the walls moving left to right, and I'm hearing, and I'm being 150% here, I'm hearing, they're moving back left to right. And I smell burnt wires, so I smell burnt electricity oh. and stuff like that. But I'm actually seeing the building, the walls moving. Oh my God! Were they on um, stilts or I'm not? I don't know the architect. You know what? My therapy that I've been through, my, they told me don't watch any of the shows of how they were. I right. don't know how they were built. So whatever how they were really built, they were not moving. Sure. I saw them moving. Everybody else that I was in the right. building, I mean, that got out saw them moving. So. Um, they moved, I saw a wall moving from left to right and making practical noise like we're breaking a stick in, in, in a forest. And it was absolutely terrifying, terrifying. And I still had 30 flights going down. How, how long would you say that that took if you can re- recollect the time at all? Because I can imagine that, that you're probably, it's not, you're not a conscious, uh, you know, the trauma itself is probably kind of hard to remember. But do you know about the time that you got out and then versus when it fully collapsed? Do you know that, that time frame? I'm, I'm, I'm sure it, it seemed like forever. I, I was out only probably, uh, I was only out maybe a few minutes. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I, when it like you just barely down, made it out. When we got out, finally, I, there was a wall down there. I'm not sure if I've been there. Yes, at we the have. Time, there was yep. a huge wall in, on the ground floor. So when I, we finally, and then just to, just to um, Recap. Remember, I said I was on the left side, and the reason I remember that is because I had to move all the way to the right because as I'm coming down, the firemen are coming up. Oh my God! And there's I only two people. But I am scared to death, and these guys are literally coming up the stairs with 50 pounds of weight on them. Oh my God! Stairs to take this fire out, and I'm so scared. I'm thinking of my mom. I'm thinking of it. It's anything the closest thing to me. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm so safe. Please, please, let me get out of here. Let me see them again. Nothing else mattered. I didn't care what, how much money there was being made. Right. Nothing, nothing mattered but my family and my life and, you know, have, having something to look forward to when I get out. They, and um, they say I finally so. got out um, to the mall area where I, I could move around. And I started booking, running, and I ran outside. I found my friend Brad who's an amazing friend to me this day. And we, were, we walked across the street and we were looking and we were seeing people, you know, jumping off. We, we saw the whole thing. We saw the, the middle console where um, middle terrace where people would hang out, where we used to hang out during the day, would be between the two buildings. There was the concourse area uh, where that spear was. Um, where we used to hang out there and eat lunch and stuff like that. And um, we saw, you know, 
parts of planes and just terrible things that we saw. And um, we finally got out of the building, went down the a little escalator, ran across the street. We were looking and went, oh man, I can't believe this just happened. And my friend Bradley, like, dude, we just got terrorized. We just got, that's his word, dude. That's so why he was talking. like, dude, we just got terrorized. Wow. Being wow. I said, what are you talking about, man? Really? And so, as soon as he was saying that, the bill all over here is and that's when we started booking and that's when my dome was coming down so you Whoa. so you had to run from the scene basically we booked yeah we booked no. um, so hard we booked I was gonna jump into the Brooklyn into the um, we booked towards the Brooklyn Bridge right we gonna jump into the East River cause that's how scared it was cause I thought they were gonna bomb the Brooklyn Bridge is that the oh Hudson River yeah. that's the Hudson River right is that the Hudson River the Hudson River well, there's Hudson River and the East River, but it's all the same water. Oh, okay. The Just opposite uh, sides. Yeah, it's on the opposite of the Hudson River, yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask really quickly, too, um, if you could recall, because I know you said you were thinking about your family, and um, I can only imagine at that point you were thinking that was the end. Did, did you flash, like they say that your life flashes before your eyes. Would you say that that happened, or were you just really in the moment of what really mattered to you at that point and the value of life? Um, yeah, I don't think it just I think it just really mattered because you know I didn't I was still alive obviously you know so I was still there and I had, and I was helping the, the woman next to me so I was very busy just trying to get out of there so I don't think my brain had enough energy or function to calculate to that flash before my eyes but what I was just worried about what's in front of me at that time okay I gotta get out of here I gotta see my family I gotta help this woman next to me had high heels and we took off her heels Jeez. we helped her carry out of this she couldn't walk and there's people in wheelchairs it was just a whole disaster so there was a lot of stuff going on where we had to do we had to do to get out of those four little walls well, but, I, and, and, and I want to be you know too too personal um, but, yeah. um, but 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 I'm sure you you've lost many colleagues and, and friends um, you know zero from Morgan Stanley I believe that they say the tally is None from from Morgan Stanley. Uh, you didn't lose any from from that department. Is is that inaccurate information or is that correct? Uh, altogether, Morgan Stanley had about eight eight floors there. We lost about seven in the whole in the whole Morgan Stanley family there. Um, and were they sec security guards or? We lost. I I lost one in my office. I lost one. One. Lindsay Kirkness the third. Um, he didn't come out. He didn't leave. He stayed there. Hmm. Um, the last person that left um, was telling them to get out, get out, and he had a gas mask and stuff, and oh. he didn't want to leave, and he stayed. So, oh um, no! He's the one. He's the only one we lost in our floor. Okay, thank you for the updated info. Yeah, what did, I would say seven or eight. Uh, we lost from Morgan's death. What a tremendous amount of courage you needed in that moment. Do you think that's something that came naturally? I. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I would, I would think. I mean, that's that should be, a, strange. Should be a survival thing, you know. Just right. You know, just hit that. You know, but scared to death, though. And I am not gonna lie, scared and fearful. But man, the body's just an amazing thing, and the brain and whatever it is is just okay. And if I would, if I, you know, I was in top shape back then. I still am a little bit enough as much as the post back then. <laughs> I would have been out of there in one minute. I would have flew down those stairs. You know, when you're gone, you can Very fly downstairs, but there's so many people coming at you. So you got to, we were still going step by step 
down the stairs when this building's moving in front of us. So it's not like we were running down. We can't because there's old people. There's elderly people. And narrow. Yeah, we weren't chomping on top of each other. So it was very orderly done, but it was very scarily orderly done. You know, that's even right English, but that's what <laughs> I'm thinking now in my, in my head. You know, it was, um, We had to go step by step while these walls are moving, while it's dark, while they're telling us to go back upstairs, while all this is going through my mind, while I'm thinking of my poor, poor little mother, while I'm thinking of my dad, my stepmother, all this is going through my head while I still have to focus on getting out of there. Wow. It's just amazing. And, and that's the Pope PSD, the whole journey of the 30th staircase to getting out of there. Wow. When the firefighters were going up the opposite direction, did do you remember what you were thinking in that moment? I said, I, well, I'll tell you exactly what I was thinking. I'll never remember the eyes of that fireman. I wish I knew his name. I wish I knew his family. And obviously, I know he didn't make it out, but... Uh. First fireman I saw coming up, he asked me to, excuse me, sir, can you move uh, to, his, to his left? Um, obviously, to my right, right? Because he's coming up. Right. He's on my side. I'm coming down. So, and I looked him in the eyes for about a second or two. The eyes open wide, real open, just focused. And, um, but I thought, I'm like, wow, I am scared. I would like to say, you know, in other words, I'm really scared. And this guy, these people are going up. Wow. They're just like this. Wow. Well, you know, with with this, you know. That's courage. That's, yeah, that's what that's I was going to say. I mean, yeah. geez, the opposite end of. Just, I'm so scared. These guys, they're going in there. I mean, they had, they had to leave their truck outside Jeez. and actually go in this building of the unknown. And I'm scared. All I want to do is just get out. And they're going upstairs with 50 pound of gear, which I learned later on and down the road, they had 50 pounds on their backs Jeez. going up these heavy stairs. So it's just, it, uh, you know, all the power to them, man. Absolutely. You know, like with this situation, how did this empower you? Like, you know, maybe months later or, or years later, like has this given you more strength? Has this, you know, event, yeah. you know, been very, you know, very impacting, impacting for you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, well, I'll tell you, the five years um, after the event, um, my life was just a, a, a mayhem, a disaster, you know, with the PTSD running around and trying to, 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 to get about it. My friends, we had a very close, you know, made of friends that we grew up together and they were impacted really hard because I didn't get in touch with my, with my family till 8 o'clock at night. I couldn't reach, I couldn't reach anybody. I, had a, I left my wallet, my cell phone, Everything upstairs. Remember, I said I left at that street second. Then some right. person said, "Get back out." So um, I didn't get in touch with anybody till eight o'clock. So impacted not just my family, really, really close friends, not just acquaintances, but really close friends. So um, the five years, I would say, a good solid five years of just being working, running around New York City, and just trying to numb the pain of what actually really happened. Yeah, right. therapy and stuff like that. Um, but I really, really. Um, I didn't apply it until, you know, I had to one day when I said, wow, this is, this is going to ruin my life in terms of my, my my strength, my soul, and everything else because I'm not uh, dealing with it. You know, I, I didn't want to deal with it. I was too scared to, you know, even with therapy and everything. No, I don't think a lot of therapists didn't know how to deal with it. 
because they weren't in there. They didn't right. know how to do it. So you know, with with, with stronger person today. Well, with with this, like, what what has I guess what were you saying? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Wh- I think that a lot of people, uh, devastating, devastating thing you went through. I don't think that that will ever, I don't think you'll, I mean, how could you ever really get rid of those moments and those thoughts and what was going on in your mind? And and I think, you know, what a blessing and, and you know, how valuable your life is and all of our lives and our freedom. And, and, and there, you know, I don't know if there was a reason per se why, you know, other than outside of the circumstances that, you know, you have a purpose here and you there's a reason why you survived through this and you know walking along alongside everybody else and you know your heart and soul came out of that building that you know you said minutes later collapsed but the fact that you can review that and and the success that you had and then you said you shared with us that it you know that moment it didn't really even matter and so many people you know they they experience tragic events they lose loved ones there's you know this and that never to you know this degree but of course different i mean is there something that you could share with with those people and also what you've learned yourself where the empowerment you know you know it it took me a long time to even learn because i don't want to face what i went through and um right to this day my family to this day believe it or not they're still very hurt about this um my mom she knows i traveled all over the place doing speeches and doing radio shows and she knows all that my dad knows that my stepdad knows that my brother knows that you know they never they have never said one word to me about, about any of that stuff because they're on their own drama and their own um you know ptsd right i would i would say but what i learned from this is is and i'm, I'm just learning now at 38 years old i'll be 39 in january is life is man it is just too short and it could just change in a matter of a second you know and, and we just gotta not live to the fullest like kill yourselves and drink alcohol but just 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 be humble and just just to be a beautiful soul and person to people you know just give wow. back and absolutely you know, i was gonna ask you it's soccer again and you know like i said I, i've done i went drink i went on a drinking binges for five years you know just going out with friends and partying we had money right money wasn't a problem right we were making hundreds of thousands of dollars what was wrong with that so we didn't want to think about it and my friends were making really good money we all had the money in new york we had a beautiful apartment so we didn't think about it for five years until we hit us all like we're just we're just hiding from the truth right 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 and, you know i'm and, sure um, you had the money the ladies that you know the life everything that you were trying to life and we had you know we were hanging out you know i don't want to think about it so it took me five good years until 2006. I said, all right, I resigned from um, Morgan Stanley, you know, making six figures way up there. And until one day I said, my, I, until, you know, my mother said, I don't even know who you are anymore. You know, what, wow. what happened to you the last five years? You know, and when I went to her house, I think it was Thanksgiving. I don't remember the holiday, but uh, she goes, I don't even know who you are. And I gave her a Rolex. She goes, it's not about the Rolex, babe. It's about... I want you. What happened to the one that used to smile? You don't smile anymore. You don't mm-hmm. crack jokes anymore. You've, my brother was so upset with me in terms of, you know, you stopped playing soccer, Dave. You did, oh. you because know, we used to play in a league together, my brother wow. and I. Wow. He's, he's seven years old. And he goes, Dave, you, you stopped doing all this. So that whole thing, you're like, wow. So when I was in the building, I was thinking about them, and then um, I, I didn't, I didn't. Instead of being okay, I'm alive. Let's continue. 
I was escaping from. Yeah, you numbed out. You totally numbed out. I numbed myself for five years. I don't remember those five years at all. So, so what what brought you out of that? Right, what, what snapped what, you out of it? Yeah, what was it? I, I know you mentioned that soccer, you know, did was part of your therapy that helped you cope with it. But was there something be, yeah. besides that that helped you out, or was it truly soccer and family well, and friends? That, um, I don't want to but what got me out of it, I had a white jaguar. Um, nice, nice. <laughs> Tell us about the cars and the jewelry. So that's, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I had this white Jaguar. That Sexy. I was cool, and, right? I was uh, the 27th grade. So I went to Dang. my mom's house, right? And she always kept the room the same way, stuff like that. So I, 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 I walk in there. Just to let you know, when I call, I'm, I'm going to re, re, recap a little bit. I just want to tell you a beautiful story of my brother. My brother's the yeah. hardest man. I'll never tell you he loves you, but he does love you, uh. but I'll never tell you one of the strong Strong right. Taurus dies, you know. Oh, so, right. AJ's a Taurus. Uh, I'm a Taurus. <laughs> I'll help you to death. You know what I mean? But I'll right. never tell you. Um, I'll hug you once in a while, something right. like that. But when I finally reached them that day of 9-11, 14 years ago, my brother answers. And he answers. He goes, wow, your voice never sounded so beautiful, babe. Oh, wow. my God. Wow. That's from my brother. That's a strong, like... You know, one of those guys don't share their feelings. Right. You know, they love you, but they don't. And for him to say that, I'm like, wow. And I share that all the time with everybody because it's just, it's an amazing thing what, how something like this could bring, you know, could bring something like that to say yeah, that. Yeah, the value um, of your, is he the older brother or are you the younger brother? I mean, is he older or younger? I'm the baby. Oh, my God. So the, to have the actual. little baby. They spoiled me my whole life. Like, you know. So to hear that from an older brother, I have two I have two older brothers, so I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from in a sense, not to that level, but to where you almost get the validation of something you doubted that you almost subconsciously probably doubted altogether. And for I'm very proud of what, you know, all how this was, you know, with the Morgan family, how it came and, and with the college scholarships and all that. So they were just very proud of the whole movement that I was into this, you know, and, um, and they get some really hard, you know, that's why they don't talk about it. Um, and I don't blame them and I don't force them to. Um, so just to get back, uh, I forget where it was. Um, oh, what, what changed? When you said yeah, your voice was beautiful, right? No, no, what, what changed? What about you? Yeah, snapped you out of it when you saw your bedroom. Yeah, asked me what changed the whole, my whole debauchery of the five years of PTSD was I went to my mom's house in New Jersey. I lived in the city and she was in my room, which still looked the same with all my awards and stuff. And she was just on my bed laying down crying. Uh. And I was drunk. You know, right, yeah. numbing out, yeah. Yeah, num- yeah, numbing yourself. I was, yeah, I was drunk. I, I got to like seven in the morning. I guess it was after the party. I don't remember why I was there, but I why I didn't go home. Huh. I thought I went there, and my stepdad goes, "Look what you're doing. Look at your mom." And he goes, "Look out the window," and I left my car on in the middle of the street. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! So, so and my mom laying on my twin bed because that's what she left. She never <laughs> changed it, right? Right. Wow. <laughs> He was just crying on it. And my stepdad goes, do you know that she cries every day for the last five years on your bed? Oh, my God. Wow. I said, no, wow. I never knew that. He goes, well, that's her right there. What you're looking at, she, she didn't know I was there. What you're looking at, that's been her for the last five years. Because she, she hasn't slept in five years because she doesn't know where you are. So you know, there, there's... I resigned the next day, and I traveled, and... I want to get therapy and, you know, just everything I need to do to get back to the Sound, Sounds myself. like that. 
that was an aha moment for you. And, you know, I think that maybe part of this um, story of yours can can kind of be highlighted for other people, maybe as 21-year-olds, 24-year-olds, you know, living the life, all the money in the world, all the women, all everything that you could possibly dream of and think of. And, you know, it's funny because the choices that we make, whether you have money or not, I don't think we realize that that directly impacts the people around us, our family members, our, of course, our mothers, our fathers, everyone that love us. I don't think that we realize how much that that impacts others. We think we're just doing it to ourselves, or we don't feel anything at all. But the fact of the matter is, is that you're awakening from, from yeah. and all the money stuff. Listen, I, you know, I'm blessed. I'm still working. I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm still doing it because that's what I love to do. And we all love to, 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 you know, be successful and to continue to challenge ourselves. That's great, but not living for the money. I mean, that's right. what I was, right. that's what I was living for. I mean, that was just crazy. I mean, that was just you know, I'm living to, to live life and. You know, wake up in the morning, be happy, and just, you know, and the money comes. I mean, the money's coming, I'm fine, I'm happy. You know, but just from living for that, that's crazy. I mean, just I mean, it, 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 the impact, you know, you can just see a person, and nobody cares anymore these days. You know, nobody cares where you drive. Nobody, I don't think anybody cared back then. I thought, I thought people cared that I had a white Jaguar. I don't think anybody cared. <laughs> <laughs> I thought people cared, you know what I mean? Maybe they did, I don't know. But I think, like, it's just, you know, it's just, it's all about, your relationships with who you're building with the people that are around you yes what you what you're doing with your life what you, you know it's like getting getting back you know if I die tomorrow okay what are people going to say about me you know oh he was just a he had a million dollars in the bank you know right <laughs> right and I think you know like you were you well, were entering this this the chef you know I think we're all valuable to other people if we just open our eyes and see what's around us and I think that's kind of what I'm gaining from from your story at the very 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 least is that we have to kind of be present in this moment it's not tomorrow because it's not guaranteed it's not the money it's 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 really just love being with love and and pursuing our passions and you know your passion is soccer and and i think that you always have to kind of stay tapped into that and thank god by by god i'm sure somebody who led you back after seeing that moment with your mom and you know you snapped out of it somebody you know god I believe in God, so or if anybody else, you know, whatever they believe in, you know, it, it, you know, something hit me there, and I said, okay, well, for me to quit, to resign a job of such stature and such such big big funds. Did you call but, in sick? Did you did you call in sick or did you resign properly? No, I went there <laughs> and threw your badge. Said, forget about it. <laughs> Who's going with me? I went to, uh, yeah. Um, no, I went in that morning, and um, we actually had a new manager who was younger, who was 38 at the time. So funny, I said younger. Uh, who was 38 at the time. And I said, Mike, I said, Mike, here's my resignation letter. He goes, what are you, nuts? I said, I said, I got to take a year off. I'm giving myself 12 months. And my family and I spoke about this. I said, why don't you give yourself 12 months to travel? You know, just go, go see things. And we made a plan, and I went to... Uh, Argentina, um, you know, I'm thinking I had I had the opportunity to do this, uh, right? But, but, I, but I, I didn't go to travel to party. I went to travel to do different things to, to get to get healing and see yes how the other world works and how people are suffering out there. And, and I right. did that for one year. I traveled there and went to see you know worked at a drug addict clinic and um, you know worked in an orphanage and all that stuff. And that's how I got back into 
soccer. Soccer was always my life. And, and that's how I um, went back to school. And um, I wanted to study psychology because I really wanted to know what happened to my brain. And that school had a soccer team. You know, I was 30 years old at the time. And that whole year, I trained my artists. And I was, I trained my artists. You know, I worked out of, you know, training soccer, but also saw the world and saw the poverty and saw everything. And lived in orphans. Wow. lived in very bad areas. And, and we, took, we planned to solve my family. They, 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 have, they have connections and stuff like that. So, um, and, th- and that made me to go back to school. And long story short, I went back to that college in, in Pennsylvania, Valley Ford University. And um, I was just first 30-year-old player to play soccer, you know, with these 17, 18-year-olds. And that was, it was an amazing thing that I finally got back into that field. And my brother was there watching me in the first game, and I was in top shape. And it was just an amazing feeling. Um, snap back. Just snap back. And I was back to my normal self. Awesome. Flashing and all that stuff. And, and it took me that whole year to do that, to reflect within myself and everything. And, it's still hard these days, you know, I have oh, my yeah. ups and downs and everything. Tomorrow will probably be hard or it won't be, you know. I have a dentist appointment tomorrow, so that's the hardest part tomorrow, so, you know. Well, you know, what, what, and, and not to interrupt you, you know, it, like, and it, we we got to wrap up our time our time here as well on our end. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you, um, there's well, actually there's a lot of things. Yeah, I, I know. Ask I want you. like I part mean, two. Um, <laughs> but you know, in, in some sense, through all the stuff you've been through, emotionally and, and spiritually, and, and kind of find yourself in a new way. What message of, of hope or strength or, or, or faith or belief um, that you can give to our listeners or, or to other people that maybe have experienced, you know, nine eleven either emotionally or or physically, meaning they lost someone or they survived it, you know, through the situations or you know the Pentagon, all, all these different things. What, what message can you give to these people? The most important message, and I keep saying this, and I keep saying this to myself too. There's, there's, whatever you're going through, we're all going through, somebody might be worse than me, we're all, we all go through stuff, we're all human beings, we're all going to make mistakes, but just, just wake up every single morning and find a purpose, find, okay, why am I here? Mm. Don't waste your time and things that are just going to bring you down if you're at a terrible job. I, mean, I know it's hard to get out to your kids, but try to find something else, make an effort, you know, don't give up, don't, ever, ever give up, because I almost did a million times those five years, and the God is with me spiritually, he, he didn't let me down, and I didn't let myself down, but the most important message is, just keep going, I mean, life is beautiful, man, I mean, I, I, I have struggles every day, but I still continue, but I have that 50% that's what life is beautiful, so I can have that, so I'm not saying I'm 100%, hey, how you doing, I'm always happy, hell, hell no, I'll tell you that, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's guaranteed, but I know life is beautiful on the other hand. I really do. Amazing. That's the message I can say. I have hard times like everybody else, but I know that life is beautiful with or without money. I'll guarantee you that. There you go. They can call me and email me, and I'll tell them all day, life is beautiful with or without money. I can guarantee you can find a a purpose in your life. Oh, my God. Thank you for sharing that so much. I think it just really drives home the fact that, you know, we all have a life purpose. And when we're passionate about it, we can get through life. And your courage is going to help so many out there. And with that, with closing, I want to share two things that are in front of me, two quotes. Um, And one is, we have only this moment sparkling like a star in our hand and melting like a snowflake. Let us use it before it's too late.
And then to close is the only courage that matters is the kind that gets you from one moment to the next. And, and with that, and with that, David, um, is there anything that you want to send out to maybe the listeners or, or part of your inspirational song, some an anthem, anthem music? One thing is, I use the soccer field as my um, as my life. You know, when 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 I was on the field, um, I don't care what was going on in my life. Right? Wow. You got those ninety minutes of soccer. When you're on that field, it's ninety minutes of a sporting war where everything else around you is forgotten. So those 90 minutes, that's a true spiritual awakening for me. And I use that with my life, you know? If I can use that same thing as I use soccer, like when I'm out there playing 90 minutes in my own personal life, you know, everything else is spiritual awakening. We can wake up and do whatever we want to do in our lives. So I just want to share that. Would you say that's living in the moment? I would say it's living in that moment. Yeah. Where Where you're at. Live, deal with the consequences, deal with whatever's going on. Don't hide from it. Don't do anything. Ooh. And whatever's going on in your life, you can. It's not that bad. It's only temporary. Oh, wow. My God, thank you so much. It's temporary. Everything's temporary. Thank you. So thank you, David. Pass, you know? I was in an orphanage, and this guy was crazy. Real quick, I'm sorry, I know you're getting to know. This guy <laughs> was like a crazy nutcase, but I'll tell you, I learned a lot from him. He used to say the same words all the time. This too shall pass. This oh. too shall pass. And yeah. that's what he used to say all day. So whatever's going on in life, it's going to pass. So it's going to pass no matter what. Wow. Oh, my God. God bless that's your it. soul. Yeah, that's it. Everything that's going on in our lives will pass. Thank you so much for your courage. A loved one passed away or any, even the worst thing of a loved one passed away, the healing will come. It's just, it will pass. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. The best thank words. You, thank you so much, David, for your time, your energy. I, I know this will empower, give people strength, maybe some insight um, with you, with your personal experience as well. And the, the most notable song that we're going to take this out with uh, for you, David, is Waka Waka by Shakira. Oh, yes. Please. That changed my life as well, too. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Jennifer and AJ. You guys are awesome. Thank you for having me. You have a good night there. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Wow, what an amazing show. What an amazing opportunity for David Rika to give us the opportunity to interview him, share his experience, and share his story. So once again, thank you, David, for being part of Breakthrough with AJ Barrera. And uh, much love to you, man. Yeah, I, this, this one goes out to you. And more importantly, everyone else there in New York, um, we living, love you. Living in Passover, we love you guys. United we stand. Are you, Are you ready, ready for, for a breakthrough? During a soldier, choosing your battle, pick yourself up and dust yourself off and back in the saddle. You're on the front line, everyone's watching You know it's serious, we're getting closer, this isn't over The pressure's off, you feel it But you got it all, believe it When you fall, get up, oh, oh And if you fall, get up, eh, eh Cause this is Africa This time for Africa. 
Africa, jungle. Oh. 